this is Ben Smith, I'm a photographer, and this is my podcast, A Small Voice, Conversations with Photographers. Thanks for listening. Hello folks, it's Ben here. How are you? I hope everyone's okay. Hope you're surviving the uh, what appears to be the end times that we are currently living through. Uh, that's not very festive, is it? Way to start. Merry Christmas, folks. For those of you who are celebrating Christmas, for those of you who are listening on Christmas Day, a special congratulations and uh, outstanding work. Maybe some of you are working. If you're working, then uh, I hope you enjoy listening to this while you work. Um, if it's after Christmas, I hope you had a good one. And um, if you don't even do Christmas, then uh, I hope you're celebrating some other appropriate end of year feast time thing. The state of play at the moment is that I'm I'm trying to do this without a script of any description because I'm in a right uh, mess. It's like uh, the day before Christmas Eve. The episode that I am currently introducing doesn't yet exist. Okay, I'm doing the intro now. Then between now and like tomorrow lunchtime, I have to actually do the episode. So my gosh, I'm so behind. But nevertheless, it's going to happen. I'm determined it's going to happen, guys. So this is going to be the end of year 2019 review, the roundup of all the fantastic guests that I had on this year, a bit like the one I did this time last year. I'm also going to include um, a few of the messages that I have received from uh, some of you lovely listeners. I hope you will indulge me that exercise because I like to share some of those with you all. And in fact, it's been quite an emotional experience reading through some of those. Um, I've become a bit lachrymose in my old age. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try and get through them when I do read them out. But anyway, let's hope it will all stay on the rails. What else to tell you? Next year, um, looking forward to bringing you lots more. I think I'm going to try to bring into play a sort of membership program for uh, the loyal listeners who are prepared to kick in a few quid uh, in a contribution towards this podcast and uh, instead of just you um, kindly giving me money to continue doing it you'll actually get something back in return because it seems to me that's only fair and so therefore people who are currently giving me five pounds a month for instance will um, immediately uh, receive whatever benefits I uh, decide need to be um, included in this uh, new scheme. Uh, Additional content is essentially what we're talking about but I will let you know more uh, in the new year. For now Let's just get through this one. And this episode, of course, as usual, is sponsored by the lovely Charcoal Book Club, the first and only book of the month club dedicated exclusively to photo books. Each month they will bring you the most respected names in contemporary photography uh, and select a first edition monograph that is a must-have for every collection. And each book will arrive signed by the artist along with a note card and print from the guest curator. Free shipping to the US, Canada and UK. Past curators have included Alex Soth, Mark Steinmetz, Andrew Modica, Todd Heido, Ron Jude and many others. Um, a lot of you will be aware of the fabulous books that are selected each month. And um, all that along with members-only pricing in their online bookstore and more. Makes the Charcoal Book Club the best and most exciting way to stay up to date with essential work in contemporary photography. 
So listen, thank you all so much for listening over the past 12 months. I very much appreciate it. I particularly appreciate those of you who have made a contribution or who have subscribed in some small way. That's hugely appreciated. Here is Small Voice Podcast 2019 Year in Review Special. Happy New Year. Hey Ben, just wanted to say thanks for your podcast, it's bloody brilliant. I listen to it when I'm driving around Tasmania chasing pics, which beats the shit out of me singing along to the radio. I was listening to your yearly wrap-up the other day, and with each quote I remembered where I was driving when I first listened to it, which was kind of cool. Cheers, Matt. Dear Ben Smith, additional to my small donation, I want to thank you heaps for your interesting podcasts, filled to the brim with relevant questions, fine humour, your warm voice, clear English and an amazing basic and research knowledge of every single photographer. I'm a teacher in photography and I use your material to highlight certain photographers and to stimulate our adult students to delve deeper into their own work as photographers and human beings. All 45 students receive the link to your podcast, as does my colleague teacher, and I added that your podcast deserves a donation. Ben Smith, you rule, really, keep going. Also looking forward to hearing about some of the lesser known, for instance, some non-Western photographers or whomever you think we should get to know. Warm regards from Belgium, Truy. Hi Ben, just dropping another email of encouragement. I finally caught up with all of your podcast episodes. I work abroad mostly and spend a lot of time travelling along bumpy roads in cars. And when it gets dark on these journeys, I tend to catch up with a small voice. Also when I'm doing boring Photoshop chores on my laptop. I think they are fantastic. I love that there are so many photographers I wouldn't otherwise know much about. And I love that you ask questions to top photographers about what makes up their income. Tom. Dear Ben, I wanted to thank you for all your hard work. I've been a regular listener since the very beginning. The podcast is an invaluable resource and dare I say it, it's been the centrepiece of my photo education thus far. I've learned so much about the mindset and determination it takes to make meaningful work, not to mention the broad range of approaches that can lead to success. I really wouldn't be making the work I am without you, not that I'm winning any Guggenheim fellowships anytime soon. As soon as my financial situation stabilises, wishful thinking in this day and age, you'll have a new monthly donation coming in. In the meantime, I'll be sure to leave your glowing review on iTunes. I'm just sorry it took me so long to do so. Thanks again, Henry. So here's the first batch of clips. We've got Lindsay Adario, Chris Dawley Brown, Matthew Finn, and Zed Nelson. I was in complete denial for the first like four or five months that I was pregnant. I just couldn't even admit it to myself, much less mm. to anyone else. Um, I swore my poor husband to secrecy, <laughs> and I finally told one of my sisters, and then eventually told the rest of them and my family at about almost five months. Mm -hmm. But um, I was terrified, and you know, if you look at um, this profession. I couldn't think of one woman who was even married, much less pregnant and had children. So yeah. I had no mentors. You know, I had no idea how to navigate the rest of my life. And it wasn't like, you know, this isn't a job. This isn't like something, you know, well, I'll just go work at a bank. I mean, this is my life. You know, <laughs> this is everything that I am. And so I was really scared. And so I thought you know, I will listen to my body, I will go to the doctor, I will figure out like what I'm fit enough to be able to do. And, um, and I'm not going to let someone else make those decisions for me, because yeah. I think something happens that's very interesting when a woman becomes pregnant is that suddenly the public thinks that they own that woman's <laughs> uterus, which is very, very interesting, I think. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. got an opinion. Yeah. Well, there was one time when you were going to go to Mosul and they said, no, you're not going to go to Mosul. It was, that, that I was wasn't a, pregnant. You weren't no. pregnant, but you had, uh, you had a, a kid at this A show. child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this was recent. This right, was a right. few years ago. Yeah. I, I asked one of my editors, you know, like, hey, I want to go to Mosul. And he said, you're a mother now. You're not going to Mosul. 
And I was like, hold on. Can we talk about all the men who are fathers? Like, is is this not part of the discussion? Like, so, you know, to me, that was, um, you know, super offensive, but also Mm. just like par for the course. Here we are. This is 2018. You know, okay, maybe that was in 2017 or 16, but like, you know, not that much has changed. Mm. Didn't you have a meeting with a bloke at the VNA or something? What was that one? Tell me about that guy. <laughs> I better not. I better not name the man. No, but you got to tell us. Well, it's a well-known independent photography mag, um, and I th- this was. I suppose I was about two or three years into the project, and I'd, I, you know, I was, I'd, I'd had a few things written because I was posting on social media, and then one or two people were picking them up and writing things, and he saw one of them, and he said, "Oh, well, you know, I really like these. Could you come in and show me?" what you're doing and he said but don't bring a screen I want to see prints so I spent like a week making these lovely prints and I hadn't really printed any of them and he yeah it was in this room this long room with a big oak table and it was all very grand and I sort of laid them all out and he was really digging them you know he was going oh yeah this one's in we're gonna put this one in and it was you know it was a good conversation I thought oh he's really liking these you know um so we like we're just getting to the kind of you know shaking on the deal and he was saying okay we'll we'll run three double page spreads and this is fantastic and then i was just kind of just near the end he said oh by the way he said uh, what camera do you use um for for taking these i said oh you know just a, like a nikon d 100 or 200 or whatever it was in those days and he said what i said yeah they're like you know they're composites um, they're you know they're made up of about twenty five thirty pictures each one you know it's to get the quality you know what I mean it was like I want uh, you know I don't want any old shit and he it, he didn't say anything he just scooped up all the prints put them back in the box and kind of jerked his thumb at the door like get the fuck out of here and I said what what's up man you know like what's the problem and he said it's doing my head in I can't deal with it and he just. <laughs> So I just, I went out and the door closed behind me and I did a, like a fist pump. <laughs> I thought, so yeah, he, he, I'm he, on the right track. This is good. Yeah. yeah. But he had some fantasy that, that, that they were all yeah. shot with a fucking 10-8 plate camera or something. Yeah, and he, uh, should, he, like, he And they he, were all actually, you know. He spends his life looking at photographs. I would have thought he would have known what was going on. But you it know? was an affront to him somehow. That, that well, <laughs> you know, if I'd shown them to him in 1956 or something, I could have, you know, yeah. give, cut him some slack. Maybe he was a bit confused, but it wasn't. It was 2011, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's like... Mm. So that's the sort of anyway, thing you're so up against. Needless yeah. to say, that spread didn't happen. <laughs> and I think I was blacklisted by another kind of like board of people. Because I wasn't, I wasn't taught or told anything about an industry, for me, just making images for yourself, the pleasure of making photographs, well, that's all there was. I, I mm. didn't know there was anything really else out yeah. there. Well, that's a kind of very pure experience in a way because you're not being distracted by, you know, the kind of cold, dead hand of uh, of commercial necessity, you know, kind of to kind of corrupt the <laughs> the, the artistic vision or process. No, no, I'm, yeah, I must be the only person who's actually never uh, who's never ever undertaken a commercial job in, and I've been making photographs for over thirty years. Right, so you haven't done that. Never. But that's what should be a kind of badge of honour, I think. Um, it, it should be, yes. It, it could be. It's not something I'd, uh, I'd encourage uh, young, young students or young professionals to undertake because it's obviously uh, mm. it's not a, a quick fix. Uh, you know, my often, uh, well, always, the things I was interested in were why is this being ignored? Why is there 
a famine in Somalia and no one's there. No one's talking about it. That was the first kind of very serious project I did. And they really, when I say no one was there, like no one at all. There weren't any other news media. And then there was you know, like a journalist from the independent newspaper. And, you know, that was the first experience I had. Um, and I would send film back by FedEx and it would get published in magazines. And so that was like a sort of taste of doing something serious that felt like it really mattered. There was a sort of unfolding event. Um, but yeah, it, that was as far as I went in that mm-hmm. way. And it was all, I tended to work for magazines with a lot longer sort of time scale. Um, but you know, it, money was always a problem as well. There was never, it, people complain about now, but I, there, as far as I've been alive, there was never like this amazing good old days of enormous money for foreign documentary work. Mm. Yeah, you'd be it is harder than lucky. Now, I think. Yeah. In terms of how you kind of managed to balance this whole, you know, difficult business of, on the one hand, doing personal work, on the other hand, paying the bills. I mean, how, mm. do you find that you can you you've got a kind of good balance, or yeah, I guess it can always be better. But ha- have you kind of had to consciously keep an eye on how that is over the years? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, everyone does it differently. You know, some people just have no money and they're bitter and twisted and you know you can go the bitter twisted photojournalist route or you can go the commercial doing commercial work and then realizing it's all a bit too tempting and realizing you haven't taken an interesting picture for three years right right yeah and then you're richer but feel like you're creatively (laughs) creatively uh, stifled yeah there's that route (laughs) so I, i i kind of didn't I didn't find either of those attractive. Right. So I tried and have continued to try and find a way that photography produces enough money to live and do projects. And then I've always just used the money for personal work. For mm. Well, personal work, what does that even mean? You know, like long-term projects. Right, yeah. Um, that I believe in or want to do. Hi, Ben. A brief email as you're a busy man. Having only recently discovered your podcast, I've only so far had time to listen first to the Martin Parr, then yesterday to Chris Killip. Yesterday's was a revelation and what a fantastic communicator he is, full of brilliant stories, revealing his amazing skill and rapport with his subjects. Having seen his photos over the years, I had no idea about this extra dimension and your interview really allowed him the space to shine. So I'm hooked, David. Hi Ben, just a note to say that I really enjoy your podcast, A Small Voice, and have signed up for a monthly subscription. You have a good interview style, do your research and give the guest room to speak, which is great. It's also great that the conversations generally have nothing to do with technology and more to do with the person, their history and how they approach their work. Love it, Stephen. Hi Ben, it was a great idea to celebrate the 100th episode of A Small Voice by being interviewed. Abby did a splendid job. You are a treasure in my life and it's not just about the people you interview, though I am learning so much about photography and life from those interviews and I'm of considerably more advanced age than you. Your heart may feel broken, but you show up so wholeheartedly to talk about real life and open a space for your guests to do the same. You may feel like a fuck up. I don't know if I totally do. But from here, you look very much like a stand-up man. Here's the next 100 episodes and your book, Warm Best Wishes, Cheska. Thank you, Cheska. 
Hi Ben, I hope this email finds you well. I just wanted to reach out as I've just listened to episode 100 of your podcast and recognise everything you said in my career and life to date. I've spent the last decade flitting in and out of different genres of photography in a bid to carve out a career as a photographer. I got into photography after a degree in environmental science, inspired in fact by Ed Cashy. I wanted to be a visual storyteller dealing with environmental and social issues. However, my career path has taken in everything other than doing that, whilst I have basically become more and more frustrated and angry with myself for continuing to not do it. As a result, I dropped into severe depression in 2013, which led to things being exacerbated. In recent years, I've had opportunities to make a better go of things. However, like you, I spent every day focusing on why I didn't want to do that. Now that I have left that job, I regret not making more of the opportunity. For much of the last five years, I both love and hate photography. At the same time, compelled by it and wishing I could give it up. With the help of your podcast and with starting my MA, I'm beginning to see the light. Your last episode spoke to me and I feel a little more invigorated to know that I'm not the only one, which is obvious but difficult to remember and that there are ways to move past it to some degree. I'm not sure how much longer I will chase this career path. Maybe the frustrations will get the better of me, my own self-sabotage. For the time being, though, I'm going to fight that little harder and hustle that little bit more. Keep up the good work. Kind regards. I will keep that person anonymous, but thank you so much for that email, and um, I appreciate it, and um, good luck. Hi Ben, just listened to your 100th episode, I thought it was your best yet. Honest, humble, and covered pretty much everything everybody feels but never says. I've been listening since... 2015 I think Laura Panic was my first episode but to my shame I've not donated till this evening I was going to pre-order Alex Soth's new book but thought you deserve the 50 quid more Soth Neil Smith one really appreciate the effort you put into the podcast thank you Nick well thank you Nick for the 50 quid I'm sure Alec will uh, survive without it P.S. I started the part-time online MA at LCC last September that you talked to Leonie Hampton about, partially because your podcast reminded me how much I love photography and how much I may regret if I didn't pursue it. I'll be 50 when I graduate next year. There's always more cards coming, as they say. That's a little reference to a quote that I dropped in my uh, episode, which was episode 100, some of which you were about to hear for your sins. Hi Ben, I just wanted to drop you a quick line. I've been meaning to write a review, sign up for a monthly donation for ages, but like a loser, never get around to it. Man, don't be so hard on yourself. Holy cow. I shall do it over the weekend, I promise. I discovered your podcast last year and have become totally addicted to it. I think I've listened to almost everyone now on long journeys to and from shoots. I find it totally inspirational listening to your guests and you speak. Your podcast is quite simply the best photography podcast out there. The photographers you always manage to get on are nearly always the people who I'd want to hear talk about their work and on the occasions I don't go oh wow you've got it's generally because I didn't know of that person but always enjoy looking them up afterwards I'm a relatively successful corporate commercial photographer with a massive love of photojournalism and reportage photography I always wanted to do it but for one reason or another just found what I do easy to break into some of the conversations you've had with people have really made me start to think of jacking some clients in and really concentrating on doing more personal projects and work I care about rather than just continuing to do work I find soul destroying I've just listened to your 100th and I found it just as interesting listening to your career as any of your other guests. I appreciate from your perspective this is probably a bit odd, but I'm sure all other listeners will feel the same as me and find it really interesting and insightful. You're an inspiration doing what you do and it can't be easy getting the guests on. Anyhow, I just wanted to drop you a line to say best of luck getting your projects out there. Lovely work, David. 
Okay, one more. Just listened to episode 100 and loved it. If I lived in London, I would be inviting you out for a nice cup of tea, not in a stalkery way, but because you're such an honest, open, interesting, inspiring and funny chap, I'd like to say hello in person. Plus, you're a sweary bastard and I like that a lot. I'm not that sweary, Margarita. I hope not anyway. Keep up the great work. Your podcast is my favourite bar none and keep pushing indicative only because it needs to be a book. Best wishes, Margarita. She's talking about my little book project. Okay, so... There were some references there to the 100th episode on which I was the guest in a moment of narcissism and the lovely Abby Trailer-Smith was me. I got so many uh, emails about that. I'll read a few more out afterwards. But in, uh, in the meantime, me, then Polymy Basu, Hannah Starkey and Todd Heido. You know, there's this guy called Brian Koppelman whose podcast I listen to. He's a screenwriter, basically, and he, he's got a podcast called The Moment. And, and, you know, he's got this whole theory that, you know, if you're a creative person... Or if you, you know, identify as a creative person, because I think everyone is. But if you, if it's part of your own sort of self-identity that you're a creative person, you know, if if your creativity is not being expressed, if you're, for whatever reason, not making the stuff that you think you know in your heart you ought to be making, or doing the stuff you know in your heart you ought to be doing, you become toxic, basically. You know, yeah, because the kind of misery of that situation kind of leeches into you and that toxicity will then spread to the people around you. I mean, you spoke earlier about your kind of cynicism and how that was a kind of rabbit hole you went down. It sounds like you were busy running down that rabbit hole of cynicism and Mm. upset when you decided to do the podcast and it's kind of... Yeah, well, I think think cynicism is is a kind of, is, is the kind of result of, of you know unhappiness really you know and uh, and anger you know um at your own situation you know you know they say depression is anger turned inward i think there's a lot to that but i i wanted to i didn't want to end up being that guy because i saw i know what that looks like and it ain't fucking pretty you know i saw that in my dad and i thought i don't want to be that guy you know and and I thought if I do this podcast, it's going to make me get out there and meet other people who are who are successful, who are doing the thing that I'm kind of angry with myself for not doing. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to celebrate their achievements. I'm going to be endlessly gracious and and positive, and I'm going to be all the things that I'm I'm really in danger of not being because that's part of who I am as well you know it's just that we've all got different sides to us and I'm never gonna let that shit come up anymore I want to make audience in a powerful position to make those understandings do you think there's a danger that you're asking too much of them though well, we'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> but I definitely think uh, it's important to push our audiences. Yeah. It's important to uh, not underestimate audiences. Hmm. We tend to underestimate audiences quite a bit and we shouldn't do that, you hmm. know, because I think we should be bold and make experimental work because without experimenting, you can't go to the next level. If without innovating, you can't, if you don't take risks, you will never make great work, mm. you know, and I firmly believe that. And I, it's a part of me as a, as my practice as an artist or as a photographer or a storyteller or as a journalist or whatever you want to call me is to push those boundaries, take those risks, you know, and make, evolve because evolving is a big part of the process, you know, be like David Bowie. You don't know where it's coming from, but I promise you I won't be boring, you know. Yeah. You, know you can't be one person all your life. You have to, you have to push the medium. You have to try and try and 
uh, get more from your audiences interrogate them you know let them interrogate it for yourself you know it yeah. is a complex body of work the only way you can change this culture is just sheer numbers and i began to notice that there were a lot of women in photography education uh, that weren't I, I i wasn't seeing them represented in the outside world um this was probably about 2012 i thought this it was a really particular moment when i had uh, four, two two of my uh, niece and nephew and my two daughters and they were ranged from 10 uh till 14 and uh Miley Cyrus was on Wrecking Ball and it was really interesting to me how this image of Miley Cyrus had been picked up by the press and then used as a selling device which often happens um and i remember at that time just thinking fuck this the only thing that's going to change this is way more women being in photography um and i'm not saying that this is you know only the domain of men it's a very small minority but if it's if they're going to be paid about 50 million a year and be doing big campaigns it will not stop until somebody finds a different way of of advertising to women Do you feel like you know there's an element of 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 kind of voyeurism in those images as well in the same way that there there almost is with the the houses Well I, I mean not in an odd way again the meaning of the art resides in the viewer mm-hmm. so if there's something that that comes out of that the viewer is like feeling voyeuristic mm-hmm. you know for me I'm just sort of like piecing together a narrative you know because I think that things get much more complicated when you have a picture of a place and a picture of a person and when you start to put those things together um and then you maybe there's a picture of you know a landscape that has a certain mood to it and then when you start to weave those things together you know there's where that narrative comes from mm-hmm. you know and it just gets much more rich than just with having say just a house yeah yeah you know yeah or just a landscape or just a person it's funny i i did that book christina's world with her and um and i was going to just include my intention was to just put pictures of her in there and it wasn't as interesting you know when i i had to throw in a few places and a few other things almost back to what we talked about mm. in the beginning mm. um about like you know you need a place for these things to be occurring yeah. um uh, um in Yeah. No, it's great to to hear the full context of, and the extent to which, you know, it is a collaborative process with because, you know, partly I I I'm wondering whether you've ever had any sort of uh, you know, pushback from people who go, "Oh, I get it, you know, yeah, male photographer with, you know, young girls half naked in motel." You know, that that kind of Not at uh, all. I I I've actually I mean, I've you know, may, people might like consider that the nobody's ever said that to me. Right. Because it's uh, it's very much not what's happening. No, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um uh and it's not my midlife crisis book you know like, or or <laughs> no, uh, no. anything like that um um that's the beauty of being like doing always have done doing what you've wanted to do is like you I don't think I'm going to have one <laughs> right right you know cuz I just have like I have no regrets about the way my life has gone Hi Ben just a random email of thanks from a random photographer I just listened to your 100th podcast just to say that a lot of your words and issues were so very familiar depression industry recluse never showing any work never finishing a project fundamental lack of confidence in your own work 
all very familiar. Knowing no one, etc., etc. That's pretty much me for the last 15 years. I did the London College of Printing postgraduate uh, course, then worked editorial in London, then ran away to Scotland, and only now, after a virtually failed career and failed marriage, am I finding my way back. Oh, shit, I probably shouldn't read this one out. This person will, of course, remain anonymous. Finding my way back to why I wanted to be a photographer, and I'm now trying to adapt, improvise, and survive in an industry I don't recognise, understand, or feel part of. Pretty much been at the point of quitting totally for a long, long time. Your podcast just gave me enough understanding, energy, and confidence to carry on for a little longer, finish some projects, and actually show some work for a change. You never know. I might even make one of those wanky photo books that no one gives a shit about. Never believe you've played your last hand. Thanks. Best wishes. Dear Ben, just a quick note to congratulate you and Abby Trader Smith on podcast number 100. You and your podcasts are a wonderful excellence. I like that expression, a wonderful excellence. And your own story is quite inspiring. Congratulations. And where can I buy a copy of Indicative Only? All the best from one of your Antipodian fans and subscribers, where it's too fucking hot and too fucking dry. Peter. Thank you, Peter. Certainly is at the moment. The whole place is on fire as far as I can gather. Hope you're all all right in Australia. I hope you're safe and, uh, you know, hope that mess will end soon. Yeah, Indicative Only, that's another reference to um, my uh, project, which um, is forthcoming in 2020, I hope. Hi, Ben. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for a small voice. It's fantastic. This is, I think, due to you and your knowledge about photography, but also your great preparation before an interview. I also want to thank you for episode 100. Thank you for your openness, your vulnerability. I, unfortunately, I guess, heard a lot of the voices in my own head being given voice by you in the interview and on your voice memos. I really love your work, though. And can't wait to see more. I've just subscribed to supporting the podcast at five quid a month and we'll try to do more once I'm actually making a profit with my photography. Anyhow, keep up the good work. Cheers, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Hi, Ben. I'm a huge fan and an avid listener to your podcast. I just wanted to drop you a little email to let you know I thoroughly enjoyed your 100th episode and found I could relate to it a lot. It was incredibly personal and very inspiring, as most of the episodes are, and I just wanted to let you know. I'm glad you found the podcast as your outlet. I too left photography for a while, but gradually found my way back to it with architecture as my subject. I'm currently in the advertising industry, but trying to move away and become freelance. Anyway, keep up the fantastic work and keep inspiring. I let everyone know about the podcast, who I work with in the industry, and hope they get as inspired as I do. Many thanks, Jake. Hello, Ben. I wanted to donate and write after hearing the Simon Norfolk podcast. I was listening to the Steinmetz interview and heard you mention the reaction to Norfolk, so I knew I had to go there next. Put me in the loved it category. I think it's telling that some listeners clearly had their feelings hurt because they might consider themselves capital A artists, and I'm guessing Norfolk's descriptions of precious photos probably hit home for many of us. Norfolk is intellectually ferocious and unafraid and blows through niceties to really take a look at whether or not there's any meat on the plate. That's really valuable in the world today. But beyond how enjoyable his irreverence is, you two got into some really fascinating ideas and topics. And I think his plans for looking beyond photography speak more to his restless spirit and intelligence. So it was great to have someone on who rattles several cages. Nearly the opposite side of that coin was the Steinmetz interview. I don't mean this critically of either man's work, just that these two people seem to be at the opposite poles of the photography as precious art spectrum, and especially in how they approach the world. So I enjoyed the rapid juxtaposition and appreciate all the work you do with this great podcast. All the best, Tyler. That email from Tyler, I think, really crystallised and encapsulated a lot of the uh, discussion that, that was revolving around the Simon Norfolk interview, which, you know, at the time I didn't think was particularly controversial, but it did cause a few raised eyebrows and a little bit of a stir among some people. So 
Uh, here is the next batch, including Simon Norfolk. Starts with the old uh, Chico Review Special, which was um, the one I did in Montana at the Charcoal Book Club's Chico Portfolio Review. Um, Rebecca Norris Webb and Alex Webb, Andrea Modica, both of those were there. And the last one, Simon Norfolk here in London. Okay, yeah, good news and bad news, yeah. Let, let, as, as tradition dictates, let's start with the bad news. Right, yeah. So, the bad news. I think that the work would be better if it was shot on film. And that's not true of all work. It's true of some work. Like, I looked at six people today, and uh, one of them was digital, and it doesn't matter. Um, one was film, and it could have been digital, because it was no good. Um, but very often, the easiest criticism of someone's work is that it would be better if it was shot on film, and that is the most obvious, easiest most basic criticism of your work hmm. is that it would just be better if it was shot on film and it's a tough criticism because you already shot all these pictures and they're not on film now it doesn't mean you don't have options but I think that the best thing to do is to switch to film now and then to incorporate what you shoot going forward into this, and then you'll, it'll balance out and it'll be great. Okay, so I could have a combination of both. Absolutely. I mean, I think that a combination of digital and film is great, and especially because you have all of these architectural mock-ups and maps and digital ephemera. Yeah. Cool. What was the good news? The good news is you know what you're doing, and so it's like all you need to do is like play around with some of your equipment, and the work will go on steep climb towards being much, much better very quickly. Okay. And there's a lot here that's great. I think we both realized that we were each other's biggest fans. But because we were that, we also were very insightful critics. And it was a sense that it would be better if each other told us what we thought were the weaknesses of a project before the project went out into the world. And so even though that caused some, sometimes some tensions in the marriage, we realized that overall it was worth going through that creatively. But there was one key component, and perhaps a marriage-saving component, which was the artist always had the final say. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's, that's a very sensible kind of policy, I think. Right, but that's a little more complicated when it's a collaborative work, because we yeah. had to work that out. Yeah. There are things that can be taught about photography. As, I, as, you know, to dust we shall return, getting back to why I studied photography. I mean, there are really substantial things that can be handed over. And then there's all the other stuff that you really can't teach. You can point to it when it happens. And uh, you can show lots of great examples of where it's happened for other people, but you can't really teach that. So uh, the, the, the need to make pictures, that's kind of the thing that is going to decide whether somebody 
does really well, I think, or not. Because pretty much everybody can learn how to put together a picture if they need to convey that information. You know, if, if what they absolutely have to get across is, uh, so, is a detail, they're going to move in closer. So it's the subject that's going to demand how the picture's made. And you get better at that. But you only will get better at that, at, at that if, you, if you have that passion, if you have that need, if you can't live without it. Having said that, I wouldn't wish that on anybody I love. But uh, as a, as a um, teacher, it's, it's just amazing to watch when that unfolds. I never really thought that I wanted to be a photographer for my whole life. I rather, rather despaired of these photographers that, you know, like Carty Bresson, you know, made a picture when he was 25. And, and by the time he was 70, he was still making the same pictures. I, I, don't, I don't want to be that guy. Mm. I don't want to be that sort of TED lecture. Mm. Sort of, you know, to sum it all up in 20 minutes, you know, everything I've ever done sort of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd quite like to have a go at some other stuff. Why not? And, and the artists that I've, you know, you admire are the sort of David Bowies of this world who... Reinvent themselves. Reinvent themselves and recast themselves well, you already as, did as things that. moved on. You already did that once, in a way. Yeah, uh, so, yeah pretty much, you know, yeah. You can yeah. do it again. Yeah, yeah. maybe. I think, that's encar- I think that's brilliantly encouraging. That, that's where I find the optimism, you know. I don't understand. Yeah. When we started off, it was very, uh, you, know, d- you know, down on photo books and I'm down on artists and all the rest of it. But it's because I, I just see that as very limiting, you know. Yeah. Quite frankly, the easiest thing I could do is knock out another photo book and have some shows and sell a few prints and right. put stuff in black borders and, you know, make a little hardback book, I could fucking roll that out in six months' time. It would be a piece of fucking cake. Yeah. And I'm sure some prick would publish it and I'm sure some fool would show it too. But the reason why I'm optimistic is because I, I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to explore some new territories and, and make myself kind of young and, you know, the vulnerability that I had when I was 25. Mm. But that means that you've got to be pretty honest about where the current medium is not going, you know, because I, I never became a photographer because I wanted to be an artist. I became a photographer because I wanted to change people's minds about stuff. If the product that you're showing is a show which is seen by, you know, 9,000 people and a book which is seen by 1,500 people, you are not changing people's minds. You are just preaching to the choir. Uh, and, I, and I, you know, I, I never wanted to do that. Dear Ben, I am celebrating you this week, not only for your 100th podcast, but I'm very excited to hear about your forthcoming book, Indicative Only. One copy ordered, please. There may be people who have done a thousand podcasts, as you mentioned, but let's think of it like cricket and a century is just awesome and something to celebrate. I've just listened to the recording again and I laughed out loud a number of times. You really are your own worst enemy. Hearing your old recordings, I'm amazed you even managed to get out of bed. (laughs) Me too. So thanks for being such an inspiration and time now to give yourself a break and pat yourself on the back. Now, where's that bottle? Congratulations. Warmest regards, Ange. Thank you, Ange. That's uh, another email from from Ange who sent me one last year as well, I think. Hi, Ben. I hope all is well with you. Just a quick message to say thanks. I started listening to your podcast at the beginning of last year and I've been a regular listener ever since, like you, and I'm sure all of the other listeners to the show. I'm passionate about photography and your show is a fantastic resource for aspiring photographers like myself. You've interviewed many of the photographers that I admire and I've learned so much on so many levels. I've just listened to your 100th episode, a fantastic achievement, by the way, and have to say it was one of my favourites. I can really relate to your struggles. 
I too struggle with many of the same issues, fear of failure, self-doubt, etc. Hearing someone speak so candidly about them actually makes me feel like I can overcome them myself and strive to achieve my ambitions. It's funny how things come about in life. As I'm teetering on the verge of having to decide whether to actively follow my dreams or become a miserable, resentful Donald Trump, only semi-joking, hopefully the inspiration from your show will help me to make the right decision. So for that and many other things, I thank you. P.S. Keep up with the project. I've looked through the pictures on your site and have to say I think it's good and it's a worthy subject matter that deserves to be seen. I agree that you should somehow get it seen by the community it involves, but I'm sure every photographer going wouldn't blame me for a self-indulgent wanky book either. All the best for the future, mate, Simon. Thank you, Simon. I think I made some kind of reference to self-indulgent wanky books. I don't, you know, I wasn't really... I love photo books. Hi Ben, I've just written out a massively long email and realised that it sounded a bit nutty, but I just wanted to say that your podcast number 100 was your best yet in my eyes. I find it extremely engaging and was able to relate to some of the issues which you've gone through, which I feel has helped me in my own photography, as I don't feel like the only one being so self-deprecating. Cheers Ben, you've really hit a note with me by stating what you've experienced throughout your career. Jay. Ben, wanted to tell you that number 100 was awesome, cutting through the bullshit straight to the honesty, and Abby was a great choice. Well done. Amy, that's from the lovely Amy Roma, also a very good photographer. Hey Ben, found out about your podcast last year and it's been great. I live really remote in Australia so I don't have the usual things like bookstores, exhibitions and access to workshops like I would in the city. And the best coffee is 1,053 kilometres away. Dude, you have got to move. There are other benefits to living so remote, however. Anyway, I really hope people donate because it's a top draw resource and it's been invaluable while developing my work and practice away from the hubs. Many, many thanks, Steve. P.S. I'll donate 50 quid now and we'll follow up at the end of the year. Thank you, Steve. Bless your heart, mate. So here's the next four. Uh, a couple more from um, Chico, Irina Rozovsky and Ed Panar, and then uh, Saurabh Hura who uh, I caught in Arles at the photo festival, and then a little bit from that uh, Arles special. I think something rises to the level of metaphor only if it starts as a... It can't start as a metaphor and end as a metaphor. Or it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. I think it's almost like I don't play basketball or anything. You know, it's sort of like if you're... I don't know. Do they know that they're going to get it in the basket? You know, they're like... Mm. It's, it's a hope, right? I mean, they're like, you know, the three-point shots like they're putting everything they can in but they don't do they have a certain like they don't know for certain it's a it's not a guarantee that it's going to go in and they're going to get that shot so it's kind of a Mm. you don't know you don't know you know you just have a kind of inkling or an instinct and then they get it in the basket and like there it is Mm. right I mean there's um no, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I, I don't seal the metaf- metaphor in no, beforehand. No, no. But, but the title know, was there. Yeah, one to, sporting, uh, you know, the sporting yeah. analogy being appropriate because one to nothing, you know, is like a score, right? It's yeah. one ni- nil. Yeah, t- sorry, I interrupted. But, How, well, no, it was the score of like w- one side having one point and then the other side doesn't have a point and so they lose, but somehow it's like just one point that sets winning from losing and nothing somehow is you know both devastating but liberating you know it's like when you've got nothing to Mm. lose if i figured anything out it's that like you know how to kind of keep going no matter what and i think todd maybe instilled that in me that's like sort of work ethic of like just have to get it done you have to find a way yeah just you know make it now you know make things ask questions later kind of thing and also working with the tools you have you know so working i've always been a kind of economical 
photographer in a way like where you know I have very simple equipment, very simple tools that are not terribly expensive, and that I'm able to find a way to use those things to achieve what I want. You know, knowing that oh, if only I had this lens or that camera or this format, you know, but. Okay, I don't. So, what can I do exactly? That's mm. always been a, a guiding principle. Well, you you you, you said it. I mean, the the, ter- the phrase that I was going to use was work ethic because you seem to you seem to have that in the sense that you always want to have something going, right? Do you feel like you need to kind of keep your eye in, as it were, and always be shooting? Yeah, I mean, it definitely. I mean, for me, it's like exercising, you know, for shooting and editing as well. Like, it's something I want to do constantly. I feel like I'll never do enough of, you know, I'm never feeling like, oh, there's always more. Like, oh, you should go up to, you know, like the, the kind of feeling of like mm. always wanting to actually do more. Um, and, you know, but yeah, it's like, you know, shooting constantly. Um, I mean, it comes in waves, you know, so there are periods where I'll shoot a lot less. And then there are periods where I'm like more excited about certain things or just you know it's also time and space so it's like this you know as we all know i think this juggling act of life (laughs) is like always uh providing new challenges for me photography was always a need um and i won't let anything not even magnum or anything in the world actually change that only if i get corrupt i'll change myself you know in that sense but um I don't think I want, I'm going to let um, something like Magnum or any, any other sort of acknowledgement um, take away f- the fun in it. Mm. I think the one thing that is important to me is to keep having fun. Mm. I'm not going to stop having fun because someone doesn't like my photographs, you know, uh, or if I don't get votes to mm. be a member of something. That strikes me that's probably the most healthy way to, you know, go about that, to be in the position that you're in, really. It's a normal way to go about things. If I didn't have fun, I I would rather have just been making money somewhere, you know, Um, if I could. But, I mean, we all take to this. There's magic in what we are doing. We all start doing things because we find there to be magic. Ah. why not remain a kid and keep finding magic? Which is why, you know, for me, it's all limited. Not only Magnum, but anything else, you know. I have a book signing right now, sure. You know, it's limited for me. I mean, in the end, I do know that after, when I go back, I'll be alone on my own. Nobody will give a damn about me. I just Mm -hmm. have to be the one who has to make, carry on and make whatever I have to make, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think... Maybe in a way I realized that in the end I'm alone in this. Elle est acte sud parce qu'il y a plusieurs actes sud juste voilà, là, juste, juste là. là. Ok, voilà. ça va. Mais j'ai, j'ai euh, Madame Chilo. 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 Elle m'a appelé. Yeah. Yeah, voilà, oui. elle m'a appelé. Je vais le récupérer là. Ah, je vais okay. le récupérer et je vais l'envoyer à un truc. Aujourd'hui. Ouais, là, là, maintenant. Ah, là. Okay. Je vais livrer oh. là. Je livre deux colis et après je vais le prendre. Merci. Merci. Vous allez, vous allez au 34 34 maintenant, oui. Mais vous passez maintenant là-bas Oui, oui. Ok, donc je vous rejoins là-bas. Je viens là-bas tout de suite. Ok, merci. Ok, il va aller. Ok, je pense que nous avons juste eu la plus extraordinaire coïncidence. Parce que Keith Cullen, qui parle français, parlait à le DHL guy qui. Was that a coincidence that that DHL guy is the guy? He was just there. I just saw him. And I, I just thought, strike with the iron. <laughs> okay, so Keith just saw a random DHL van as we got out of the cab. And astonishingly enough, it was the man who 
is going to or has just delivered the book. Now that's that is quite a coincidence, you've got to say. I will say I would recommend you all to buy your books from Keith from now on. Keith Cullen from Satanta Books is the hero of the hour. But also, that DHL driver seemed like he was a very nice man and didn't seem like the sort of person who'd fake a signature or anything like that. So maybe that was his colleague, but that's pretty remarkable. So you must be feeling a bit more optimistic now, Jack. Do you know, I've been through the ringer with this, mate. I just, at, at this point, I'm... Uh, you know, everyone's been promising things. There's not been anything delivered, so when it's uh, when it's in my hands, I'll be happy. Until um, until it's in your hands, you're not going to take anything for granted. It's been a saga. I think I could have solved uh, the Bohemian Grove mystery in the time it's taken me to get this fucking book. In. <laughs> Keith, what did the geezer actually say? Has he delivered it, or is he about to deliver it? He delivered it yesterday. They told him they had to deliver it to a different address that wasn't the address at the place, and then he they rang him today and said he had to bring it to where he originally tried to deliver it where they told him not to deliver it (laughs) that's fucking clear as mud no wonder this is happening listeners if you've been following this better than I have then maybe you got some sense out of that Keith very kindly tried to explain I still have no idea but all I know is there will eventually be a book Hi Ben, I just wanted to say congratulations on passing the 100 shows milestone. It's a huge effort and I've really enjoyed your interviews with so many people I've admired for a long time and others who I've come to know through your show. I was somewhat surprised given how warm and curious you are with your guests to hear you be so hard on yourself. That internal voice that tries to motivate by being hard that pushes you to show your work because fuck the pain of being told it's shit. It's not your friend. It's a voice that doesn't dare to believe your work is valuable or that it doesn't matter to be seen or heard or recognised. It does. But it's also true that even if we aren't seen or recognised or valued or heard, our work is still a lively expression and we can find some joy in making, reviewing and sharing it. That's the creative process. So chin up, mate. Just making my way through the Chico Review episode now and was blown away by the guy who told you and apparently others that the work would be better on film, but didn't say why. What was it he thought would come out of working with film that was so impossible to get with digital? I'd love to know. Anyway, Ben, thanks again for the show. There just can't be enough dialogue about pictures and working. There's far too much out there about specs and gear. Well done and good luck with your book. I'd love to see some of the work if it's online somewhere. Best wishes, mate. Steve in Melbourne, Australia. That was He was talking about John Levitt, who I'd met at Chico. Uh, Actually, he's got a new book out called Echo Mask, which is Charcoal Book Club's uh, first book, which is absolutely beautiful. But um, John... Um, unbeknownst to him, caused a huge amount of controversy by suggesting that the project I was showing him, which I took to Chico to um, get some feedback on, uh, would be a better on film. Now, it was entirely my fault because I didn't ask him the important question, which was, why, John, do you think that? And um, all kinds of people were confounded by this, uh, as was I, in fact. So, you know what? In April, I'm going back to Chico, uh, and I hope John is there, and One year on, I will get an answer to that question and that will hopefully uh, at least placate those of you who are still waiting for the answer as to why on earth John thinks somehow that, you know, film would be intrinsically better than digital. Anyway, watch this space. Hi Ben, just wanted to drop you a note saying thank you for putting together the Small Voice podcast. It came as a particular comfort while working on a recent project in Lebanon and has served as inspiration and a reminder of the strong community of photographers around the world. Would love to donate when I can but in the meantime thought I would share my thanks and keep going. All my best, Jake. Hey Ben, hope you're good man. I've been listening to your podcast for a while now and always meant to sign up, pay, leave feedback and write to you. 
cheesy old message subject I know but I'm genuinely wanting to acknowledge how much I personally feel from your podcast and the connections that come through each listen is like a refuge a place of understanding I can breathe I smile I've cried sometimes at the parallels you talk through I don't mean this in some playing the world's smallest violin way or pride a hippie thing more than we're human and it's bloody great to know that you've brought to life these stories and also give us an insight into your own existence without being it's all about me an absolute cracker for me was your podcast with Chris Dawley Brown I play that one every so often and I don't fail to roar each time you're a gales the story of Cartier Bress on smashing his camera just brilliant like you said it's kind of surpassed his parody we'd love a cuppa as we're in Hackney too one year old trying to keep going not get too bitter avoid but crumble to the pull of nostalgia and basically try and put one foot in front of the other feels enough most days and your podcast generally helped me keep going in life in general so thank you for that Ben best Jack thank you man Hi Ben, hope you are well. My name is Phelan and I'm a jazz musician, amateur photographer. Just wanted to say a massive thank you for the incredible time and effort you put into your podcast and for saving me a huge amount of money after racking up an eye-watering bill from a degree at the Royal Academy of Music in London. I was seriously considering applying to do a Master's in Photography next year, but then I found your podcast, which is a veritable university in itself and a treasure trove of knowledge which convinced me just to get out in the world and start making work. As so many old jazz musicians have told me, the real school is on stage. That's, uh, yeah, Phelan Burgoyne, who's a brilliant jazz musician, a drummer, and also a composer. You should look him up. He is a very talented young man, and um, it was lovely to uh, get that email from him and subsequently meet him. So, up next, Mark Steinmetz, Ian Weldon, Lisa Bernard, and David Moore. In the 80s, late 80s, 90s, to do colour, you needed to be a teacher, Mm. because you needed to have that colour processor and only like a university art department would have that you know you couldn't really have you maybe you could have a small processor in your lab in your in your house but um, just tricky and the chemicals were bad and and then the stuff wasn't archival you know and it's on plastic so all of that and it didn't look quite right you know it competes with the world in a way that black and white doesn't and so then you're comparing the green of this you know, Kodak or whatever the Kodak color chemists think is green of, mm. you know, or Fuji. So, but I mean, I, I, I like, I like other people could do it. I like Kodachrome slides, which are basically silver, you know, it's silver on there and they don't really fade. Yeah. Um, they're pretty archival and they looked great. You know, it doesn't look, like the world but it's a beautiful thing but I, I like that mm. I mean, but I, I, does, anyway black and white I, the best photographers are black and white and I was just thinking of that and I wanted that that's the that's how I wanted the light to be seen you know mm. that the poetry it's color can really interfere with seeing the light it's like the color takes over so you started almost uh, studying it in yes, a way yeah, for yourself, indeed. or the history and, and the development. Yeah, indeed. Now, what happened though really was photographers that I was introduced to when I was at college, like Martin Parr, who didn't make any sense to me at the time. It was just like pictures at the fucking beach, man. It's like, and the backgrounds are messy, and like that one's not really in focus, or the composition isn't the way that I've been told it should be, and. Photographers like him, Helen Levitt, Bruce Gilden, do you know they just started to make some sense. And, like, they didn't just change my perception of what photography was. It fundamentally changed me as a fucking human being. And right. that, was, that was the catalyst. That was the change in me. When I started to realize that this expressive medium, and we can just be 
whoever we want to be. We don't have to try and fit in. We don't. Nothing, it doesn't have to be polished and perfect and nice. And once those those ideas started to come out of photography and these photographers, and I started to understand the ideologies of the photographers, not just their pictures, that started to make me feel more normal, that I didn't have to fit in. And mm. yeah, man, that, it was, so, it's a philosophy in itself. Right, right. And, and in a way, it seems like it started to, it taught, it seems like it, allowed you to understand a bit about yourself and the situation you were in and why you'd been the way you'd been for yeah, yeah, you know your yeah, whole life yeah. and 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 the fact that you know possibly the fact that none of that was your freaking fault absolutely you know? and i started to realize that like if i just carry on being a dickhead i am being a dickhead you know that's that's what it is you took responsibility it's it's my fucking responsibility i had absolutely zero control about what happened in the past but i was using that probably as an excuse to do whatever the fuck i wanted right it just goes to show sometimes it's worth just you know oh someone tries to oh my god you just gotta do it yeah yeah yeah. you never know what's gonna happen no and i'm always put off by everybody that i speak to they all say oh no you're not interested yeah and i was going yeah Yeah, i am (laughs) (laughs) yeah i am you're wrong there um (laughs) so it was fantastic but also you know you you have to be tenacious enough to sort of not let that yeah you know don't let them kind of win that argument as it were yeah and one of the things that I say to my students is you never you never accept no mm. as, as an answer and the 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 photographers that do well are tenacious unfortunately yeah. it's you know if you're if you're shy it's much harder to make documentary work you know there are plenty of other ways in which you can make pictures but um you have to think seriously about the skills that you need in order to get access and to get in there and one of those things is confidence right yeah. Um, and no fear and feeling like you've got nothing to lose and that everything is an adventure. Yeah, yeah. Because how amazing Yeah, to get into the San Diego Naval Medical Centre. It was cool. extraordinary. And to be able to photograph anything. Yeah, you've talked quite a lot about this idea of it being transgressive. I mean, um, were you uncomfortable being there at the time? And, you know, like, is there some... Because I think this is something that a lot of photographers probably have experienced or that young photographers might you know to some extent sort of struggle with is that feeling of discomfort I'm just wondering how you felt about that and how you you know managed to kind of carry on anyway because ultimately one has to if you're there to shoot pictures you've got to kind of get over that so yeah what what, could you talk about that a little yeah I mean I mean what I want to say at at the top of that is that I mean and again this is for later on but I mean the, the whole Lisa and John project is a response to the feelings that you're describing mm-hmm. 30 years afterwards. Right. right? So, right. yes, there's the, um, this when you're there, there's an ambivalence, there's an uncertainty. What carries you is, uh, again, a sort of youthful momentum and almost a sort of psychological need to make work in this um, set of circumstances. Mm. where you have an idea about what it is you're trying to do, but you can't say it uh, until you see it. Mm. All of those things that, you know, all um, people who are working on uh, open-ended projects experience. And the idea of a sort of vision of of it, trying to get something, but you don't know what it is. So that's the the mystical description, (laughs) right, of 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 a sort of working process. I think will be familiar to... Many photographers and artists, actually. Mm. Not just photographers, many artists. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so that, that sustains, really. And um, I think 
I mean, again, I say to my students now, I mean, you know, we, we talk about theoretical ideas and we put uh, context around production of work, talk about different discourses that surround the production of bodies of work. Um, but my view is that to let that guide you too much is the wrong thing to do. Mm. And one should sort of make work and figure it out afterwards, really. Hi Ben, been slow to discover your podcast, only found it a couple of months ago, but that leaves me with the pleasure of binge listening to catch up with all that's there. So yay, just wanted to thank you for all that's gone into it. Such a great podcast, an important record of contemporary photography and its key figures. Just also set up a price of a cup of coffee per episode on your website. Thanks again, keep up the work, it's important, Gil. Hey Ben, I listen to your small voice podcast and love it, thank you, I hope you're making enough from it to keep it going. Not really, Caroline. It's such an amazing resource. Photography can be such a lonely business. It's great to hear about other people's thoughts on and lives in photography while editing your own. Most of your subjects seem like dudes, but occasionally a pretty huge ego seems to surface. And I'm always amazed at how patiently you handle them. Hmm, I wonder who those people could be. You're very good at holding a mirror up to them, asking questions on making uh, an observation which is very truthful and revealing. But you do it with lightness and humour so it sort of flies beneath the radar and they don't seem to be offended or even noticed. Well done. Thanks, Ben, and looking forward to listening to more. Caroline. I do just want to read this message I got from the lovely Daniel Meadows. I really hope he won't mind uh, me sharing this because he sent me uh, a print subsequently to our conversation. And um, he wrote, Dear Ben, I write to congratulate you on a small voice, the podcast. You've taken a format which many foolishly think simple, unpicked its many mysteries, reassembled the pieces and made it something remarkable and entirely your own. A considerable achievement. Thank you for including me for travelling to Oxford, for being so impeccably prepared, for doing your research and for riding side saddle through the technology, eliminating the drama it customarily generates. So I just want to say well done, keep going, you're on a roll. Kindest, Daniel. So, wow, that was pretty cool, my God. Here is Daniel Meadows, Anders Peterson, Nick Woplington and Lua Ribeira. All my work really has been about, has you know, if I look back, it's been about trying to find ways of generating chance encounters with strangers. Mm, mm. Because of my upbringing, I never wanted to say, oh, you're lower middle class, or you're you know, this kind of person, or that person, or you belong to this tribe, or that. I always really hated that, even right. when it got to be trendy, you know, talking about teenage subcultures, you know, punks and post-punk I always hated that and all I was interested in was the individual you know, right, in right. the picture yeah. so all of my work's always been about trying to unearth the person inside yeah but I heard you say that basically you, these pictures depressed you in a way because you didn't feel that they looked like how good pictures were supposed to look is that really true yeah no I've always thought my work was rubbish every, <laughs> every time I've made pictures I've always just thought I've made bad really? work yeah and it took me a long time to realize that I was making my own work and that my own work stood in its own terms. But I, I never was confident that I'd made good work, you know. Mm. No, I think that's probably quite common among young photographers. I guess that, you know, the, the sort of the gaining of trust is one of the reasons or the, or the you know, the, the process of gaining trust is one of the reasons why it's a long-term process, why it takes, you yeah. know, or why you're involved in these projects for years. Yeah, and that is very understandable. It takes a long time to understand people. 
and not just saying about we are all people, uh, so uh, we are the same. That's not uh, the case. That's too simple. We are not at all the same. We are close to be the same. Yes, we are, mm. for sure. Mm. And we are living on this earth together, which is very important. This is important to understand, and not only here up in the brain, but understand from heart that uh, we are a family together. And, and this is not, uh, it's not bullshit. I mean, we have to take care about that. We are living together and we are brothers and we are sisters. And, uh, and if you have that, uh, that idea of life, you, you, that's fantastic. You see that the doors around the world are opening up for you. Mm. It doesn't really matter where you are. I'm not kind of interested in this is the Nick Wobblington style of photographs and now I'm going to find different subject matter and do that for the next 40 years is not how I work I mean there are many pieces of work out there by me that are in some ways failures but they're not really failures they're kind of a progression mm. and to something else that I might not have reached yet but that's where I'm going and that's what kind of interests me you know yeah well it seems to me like one of the, your characteristics is that you are very sort of diverse in the way that you go about things. Like you don't have any particular, you know. I'm interested in everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the problem. Both it's the both blessing the good and the thing and the bad thing. You yeah. know, as I'm interested in everything, I know that you know that's. Um, so Nick said that to me when I had the big show at the Tate. The reason I got the big show at the Tate was because I had this kind of multi-layer practice. Whereas if I'd been a kind of you know, you know, photo world kind of blinkers on type of person, I wouldn't have got the show because they don't show that kind of work, mm, right? Mm. Um, so yes, I mean it's been both a blessing and a hindrance. But I am interested in everything. Yeah. Um, you know, I take my inspiration. Not from photography. I mean, I make photographs, but, you know, I'm not kind of interested in the photo world. Right, yeah. <laughs> really. I mean, I love some photography. I was at the Nan Golden show on Thursday, you know. It's just yeah. amazing to see some of those images again, you know. Yeah, um, yeah I was yeah. there too, in yeah, fact. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was hoping to... Um, <laughs> I, was, I had a little fantasy that I might actually be able to pin her down and get her on the podcast but um right. maybe it will happen in the future i'm gonna see her and when i go back so i could always ask her for well, that'd be brilliant. i'd love you to put a word in it yeah I'm, i'll always yeah. um you know i'll take any any uh any advantage i can i remember in that that time it this this teacher introduces to i don't know uh, on the same day, I found out about Nan Golding, Robert Frank, Ansel Adams, blah, blah, <laughs> all of them at the same time, Cindy Sherman, blah, blah. And it was just like really like an injection of like, whoa. Mm. And also the fact that I didn't research many photographers. It was more about going out and really go to, to these places and have um, a conflict or a moment of tension and and also a moment of discover like um uh, th this project had two sides one side it was very related to break uh, this idea of authority or doing the wrong thing but the other side it was also related to uh, people that were in more marginal situations in barcelona and really go and ask and and really face your own prejudices all the time like with the answers and stuff like fucking mm -hmm. hell this is not a... so I realized that it was a very interesting 
learning process very truthful because I was learning by my own experience Mm-mm. and very quick. And it, and it was almost like open a door that then it's just like, I can't go back because this yeah. is almost my responsibility to keep learning this way. This is this is a gift. Like this, I need to fucking, yeah. you know, it's hard, but I need to get out of the house and keep doing this. Hi Ben, I just wanted to send you a message and thank you for continuing to inspire and everything you are doing with a small voice. Hopefully this comes at a time when you're happy to hear from me and not so famous that you'll think I'm a crazy stalker. I'm a photographer that graduated from the London College of Communication a few years back and have been working in video commercially ever since leaving. There was a huge part of my practice missing and that's because I just wasn't making any of my own work. A problem so many of us have when leaving uni and balancing paid work and general mundane life with creative practice and personal projects. I've been listening to a small voice for a while now and nearly caught up with all of it, including going back and listening to some multiple times. That Simon Norfolk one in particular. And I just wanted to tell you how brilliant it is. Each podcast is a perfect mix of the artist's history, contemporary work and great journalism. I didn't realise how bad I needed something like that until I had it. And I thank you. You and this podcast are one of the main reasons I'm going back to study my MA in September and finally realise a project I've been dipping in and out of for a while. I've also made it to my list of career goals to be interviewed by you in the future. Yesterday I listened to three podcasts in a row on my drive back from Devon and each one gave me so much inspiration I had to pull over and write notes. I wanted to send you all this so next time I see you we can have a proper chat and I don't feel the need to tell you how brilliant a small voice is constantly. Can't wait to see your book project and I hope we can grab a coffee or a beer in the very near future. All the best, Rob. Good luck with that, MA Rob. Hi, Ben. I robbed my wife's PayPal account to send you a deserved contribution. Don't tell her. I won't, Len. Your podcasts are outstanding, and I've left a review on iTunes. I live in Spain, and all my long journeys take you along. You have a great style. Off to Cordoba on Sunday for a couple of days. I'm studying for an MA at Falmouth University, and your podcasts are powerfully contributing to my work and my marks. I tell all my fellow students they must listen to you. Thanks again. Great job. All the best, Len. Hi, Ben. Just made a £250 donation to your cause. Adrian, I love you, man. That was awesome. He really did give me 250 quid, which I don't think that happens all the time. It's never, ever happened before. But um, anyway, I shall continue. Hope you get lots of praise and recognition for the amazing job you're doing. It's an amazing historical document that you are compiling. My son introduced me to a small voice while he was doing his photo MBA at the Royal College of Art, as he found it invaluable. He's having a tough time getting going, even though he has had some good recognition. There is so little advice and help for graduating photographers. It's so useful for new photographers to listen to your podcast as it gives them hope as most have gone through the pain. It makes me wish I had d- dedicated my life to photography instead of business. I would have missed all the hardships photographers go through to get going. Brilliant. Thanks. And keep it up, Adrian. Adrian, I'm very glad you didn't do photography because you had done. You would not have had £250 to give me. But sensibly, you opted to do business and that's why you can afford to make such a wonderful and generous donation i appreciate it so that's it guys that's everything as i said before happy new year and i will see you in 2020